Hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized Podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing individuals who are living a life beat to their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for you listeners on how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your results in manifesting your dreams in this reality. Today's guest on the show is someone I am extremely excited to connect with. The story he has is one that is sure to connect to the feeling we have all had when we get what we think we want out of life, only to feel more lost on the other side of receiving what it was we yearned so much for. He has gone from a famous actor and producer, appearing on shows such as Cracked, Proof, and Gilmore Girls, to moving into a phase of his life that is more centered around diving into the inner workings of the human being. Since answering that call, he has trained at the Radical Aliveness Institute, where he has become certified in modalities such as core energetics and somatic therapy. And with all of that being said, I am honored and delighted to welcome David Sutcliffe to the show. David, my man, how are you doing today? I'm good. Good to be here. I'm impressed by that intro. It's great. Yes. <laughs> well done. Well written. Mission complete. Yeah. <laughs> we get in the episode right there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and one of the things that I'm so excited to chat with you about is, like I was saying in the intro, you've worn a lot of different hats, right? And you've gone through the trials and tribulations that ultimately all of us go through in some way, shape, or form, right? We work one job or we start one career, we move to another. But the interesting thing about your journey is that you were in Hollywood, right? Like you had the dream, right? For many people, that's what they grew up wanting and yearning for. And you achieved that and were able to actually say, you know what, regardless of how hard I work to get here or what this means or, you know, what I can do moving forward, I'm not being fulfilled here. And so I'd love if you could walk us through your journey of, you know, moving through that, how you got into acting and what like the the final straw was. Do you remember the day where you were like, I, I don't want to do this anymore? Bring us through that part of your journey. Well, I was doing an episode of Friends and I was 31 years old and I'd had some success. I had a couple television series on the air and neither one of them lasted long, but I was in the game and I was doing well and I was getting called out uh, to all the top shows. And so there was a sense that big success was inevitable for me. And I'm sitting there on the set of Friends. It was the most popular show in the world at that point. It was their 150th episode. And uh, the whole cast is there. And I remember thinking, they're making $750,000 for this episode. For this, I was making like 3300 I think it was, they called it Top of Show. <laughs> yeah. And the track that I was on, this would have been the pinnacle. Like being on a show like Friends, making that kind of money would have been the pinnacle. And I just remember having this distinct feeling, I don't want this. And I, I questioned it. I was like, is, what is that? Why wouldn't I want this? This It's a lot of fun. It's success. But there was something inside me. It was just, you know, that's that's was my instinct. And I wondered if it was just a fear of success. I wasn't sure. I, you know, I, I had questions about it. So, you know, I went on with my career and kept acting. I had more and more success. I was working and, and I got to the you know, the top of my game, you know, right around 35, I had a couple movies coming out. I had a TV series on the air. I was dating a you know, Hollywood starlet. I mean, I just bought this beautiful house and was redoing it and just everything was great. And I had a, uh, just this deep feeling of dissatisfaction. Like I wasn't happy. And, um, and then my girlfriend, uh, dumped me. And there was something about that. Like I, I, I'd never been dumped before. And there was something, the feeling of helplessness. And it took me down in a really big way. 
And I'd done some therapy previous to that, but it was mostly talk therapy. And I was interested in it, like a lot of actors are, uh, understanding the workings of my mind and my emotions. But a friend recommended I go to this retreat up at the Esalen Institute in Big Sur. And he said, this woman is fucking amazing and you should go. I was like, all right, all right. I trusted him. I trusted him. So I went up and I just got my mind blown. Everything that I was looking for was was in this work. This woman, Ann Bradney was is her name. And it was just so, the experience was so profound, so deep, uh, so transformational for me, so real, so raw. And the way that she worked was fascinating to me. She was extremely creative the way she worked with a group and the way she worked with individuals to try, you know, trying to, you're trying to get people to their, their deepest feelings of, of pain, fear, rage. That's not an easy thing to do. We have a lot of resistance to feeling that. So the skill set that it takes to um, create the container, the safety, and the the persuasion to get people to that place of healing is, uh, you know, it, she was a master. And just in that moment, I was like, I want to know everything that she knows, and I want to be able to do what she does. And I don't know where that thought came from. I don't know, you know, I, I just it's how I felt. And that was really the beginning of the end of my career as an actor. You know, I, I went back and, you know, I was auditioning for things, but I actually, from that point on, I never got a role that I auditioned for. I, I, I got offered things and I would work, but some part of me was uh, checked out from the industry and I couldn't find my mojo. And I questioned it. I questioned it. It was it's scary, obviously. The yeah. thing that you've been doing. Uh, for most of your life that you're successful at. And then as you alluded to in the intro, like that, you know, that everybody wants so many people. What's, what do you mean? You're giving up your career as an actor? Like you're doing well, you're cre- you're kicking ass, you're making money. Why would you do that? Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know why, you know, I mean, that's the reason I got out into acting. I followed my heart. I did what I wanted to do. And now here I was at 35, 36 years old. I was, I say, I'm doing the same thing. Mm. I'm, I'm going, I'm just following what it is that I want to do, but it, it took a long time. It's really only recently uh, that I fully landed uh, in, in doing what it is that I'm doing. Like it's, there was a, you know, it was, I re- officially retired only three years ago. And so this last three years, there's, there's been a transition of, of really trying to find myself as a, I mean, I'm a, you know, I have a practice, a psychotherapeutic practice, but really to feel into what is it that I'm committed to? What's the work that I want to do? And, uh, and what is it that I want to give? And, and so now I feel like I've, I've fully arrived, but it took a long time. And especially at my age, I mean, I'm in my fifth, early fifties now, uh, career transition at that age is it's scary, but again, it's, it, it, there's no, you know, people say, oh, you're, it's, it's very courageous for you to do that. And, and yes, I guess in some way, but it, for me, it felt like there was nothing else I could do. It, I, I was just following it mm. and following my passion, following what I'm interested in. And the impulse was so strong. It just, I, I couldn't deny it. Yeah. And you know, that's such an amazing story. And what I love about it is I took a couple notes here and, you know, getting kicked when you're down, right? Like you were talking about your girlfriend dumping you. And, you know, a lot of times we need that final straw to be able to kick us into gear and just go, I surrender, hands off the wheel, take me heart, like wherever you're going to lead me. And it's really funny you mentioned Esalen because one of my best friends just went there 
It's like he just got back, I think, two days ago. And his most of his trainings that he has done, uh, we met a few years back, have all been through Esalen. And recently, I've been hearing more and more about Esalen. They're open now again after the pandemic. And, you know, so that was a little uh, bug going off in my head saying, hey, maybe I'm meant to check into Esalen, you know, because I've heard amazing things. And of course, Anat speaks very highly of them. And, uh, you know, the whole idea that home is where the heart is, right? And it, you know, a lot of times the heart doesn't make any logical sense, right? I think most of the time it doesn't, right? But that doesn't mean it doesn't feel right, you know? And I think for so many of us, we're stuck in our left brain, especially as men, right? Like we're logical, yeah. we're rational, and those things are great, right? Those are great sides. But sometimes when we're trying to use the number one mind, it's like we're trying to use a hammer when we need a screwdriver, right? Right. And so like, you know, that's when people come up to you and be like, how could you, you know, how would you want to leave? You have everything, right? Logically, yes, I have everything. Logically, this makes sense. Logically, this is what I've wanted to do. And now I'm realizing that there's something more for me, right? What it is, I have no idea, but I trust and have faith in the process, you know? And the cool thing about that is that in life, the only constant is change, right? So- yes. Instead of going against the current, you're going with the current and saying, you know, I don't know where this is going to lead me, but so far I've trusted this heart of mine and it's led me to some really good areas. And so, you know, I'm curious, what was it at Esalen? Like, do you remember like the number one thing? Did you go through a therapy yourself where on the other end you released some things and felt some space? And that's what caused you to really get into that whole idea of psychotherapy in the way that she was doing it. Because I know for me, in working with a knot, I had very similar experiences at training camp for the soul where, you know, I'm like an iron fortress, uh, to, even to myself, right? Like I'm a very hard open person, but for some reason, I, I knew there was something that I wasn't able to access. And it wasn't like it was ruining my life or anything, but I definitely felt like I was carrying some baggage. And when I went there, you know, I... I pride myself on, you know, intellect and trying to figure things out. Right. And so I was like, yeah, you know, uh, maybe there's nothing in there. I don't know. And I was shocked because when she actually did her technique on me and Chris as well, I was able to express so much that I didn't even know rationally was there. And so I'm curious when you went through that for the first time, did you have an idea of what was going to come out or did something completely blow your mind that came out maybe from childhood or something like that, that really made you go, okay, yeah, this is interesting. What was hidden in there? Yeah. Well, I had a sense of it, but I was completely unaware of the intensity of it. I knew that I had stuff with my mom. I knew that, you know, my parents split when I was six. My dad wasn't around. I I knew there were, I had anger towards my mother. I knew that that would come out uh, with girlfriends, you know, that I, I was having problems in relationships and the breakup brought that uh, to a head. There, and there was, when I was driving up there, I was feeling all of this rage, like uncontrollable, like shaking. And and it was, it, you know, the image in my mind was like my mother and my ex-girlfriend. Like it, it was kind of a, a mix of those things. And I was like, yeah. okay, this is. And so when I got there, like I, I, like I had some sense, but I didn't until I actually went through the somatic process of like experiencing the feelings, like ex letting myself experience that rage, like move through my body to express it, to hit, to, you know, cry out. To, and also to feel the uh, the cruelty that was in it, the desire for retribution and revenge. You know, I want you to feel what I felt. I want you to feel the pain that I felt, which is for me the definition of cruelty. And to be able to exercise that and have it be witnessed by a room full of people, uh, and to do it consciously with 
intention uh, was absolutely transformative. And then where it took me, the other side of that took me all the way to my pain and the deep longing that I had to be simply loved by my mother, uh, just in a, in a pure way. And it's not that my mother didn't love me. She did, but there was something that I needed that I didn't get from her that was extraordinarily painful. And so going all the way into the rage allowed me to touch into that longing and that pain. And I cried, wept my whole body shaking for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. And I just thought that's been in my body all my life. I've been walking around with it, interacting with people. It's been that play with every woman that I've ever dated. And it's influenced my career, everything, everything has been motivated by these repressed unconscious feelings. And so to me, it just felt like everybody needs to know about this. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, otherwise you're really not free. You're not conscious. You are a slave to mm. these feelings. And so it just was a revelation to me. And it, I had felt so much excitement and possibility. And, and I was just interested as I said, in her, the style and technique that she was using, it just resonated with me so strongly. I, I intuitively just understood it, as I think we all do. Actually, I don't. It's it, there's nothing mystical about it. Like once you see it, it's 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 obvious. And on, on, on the simplest level, it's just like feel your feelings. Like it, yeah. it's hard to feel. And you know, is there? It's creating a space for us to really feel. And techniques to have us feel that. So that was really the breakthrough. I was just absolutely. I felt liberated and uh, inspired. And then watching other people go through the same process and realizing, oh, we all have this. We're all walking around with repressed feelings, pain, longing, loneliness. And we think it's just us. And we isolate ourselves from the world. We carry around these secrets, the shame, sadness. But the truth is we all have it. And, and even people that you don't necessarily have anything in common with on the surface, you have a, that shared humanity. And that was deeply impactful for me. And so it was hard, you know, not to see that in everybody that you, you encounter in, in the world, including my work, right? Like I go back to the set and I'm working with people and you know, I'm seeing them all in a completely different way, totally different lens. And it just, yeah, woke me up to something that, that I just, I couldn't go back to sleep. Yeah. You know, I love the way you put that. Like once you're woken up, you really, it's, it's very hard to go back to sleep, right? Because you then have this yearning and this awareness really that that exists in every single person. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up you know, what you felt in doing it around other people, right? Having that experience amongst other people, because I know for me, that was something that really scared me. Like it's one thing to have a one-on-one, -on -one, right? But it's another thing to be in a group of, we were doing, uh, Anat calls them hot seats, and we were doing them at the retreat with, I think, four other people. And I had never met these people in my life, right? Super cool. Like I got along with them great. But of course, like, I'm like, I don't even know what's in there, right? <laughs> and 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 I started like drumming up this big thing, like, what if it's this? What if it looks like this? When in reality, the unconscious belief there was, I'm not going to be accepted because of the way that, or what comes out of me, right? right. And like you said perfectly, then it was like this hilarious, almost funny, embarrassing moment when I realized like, wow, I'm taking myself way too seriously. Everyone has these things, right? And 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 also having 
going through that in front of other people then gives them the permission slip if you will, to go through it as well, right? So it's actually like a backdoor way to allow you to get into more of what's in there rather than away from it. And, you know, I'd love to hear like, how did you find out about the Radical Aliveness Institute and what is their approach to this, right? Like, I imagine, especially when you were in California, there's tons of different places that do these sorts of things. And so what was it about Radical Aliveness that really drew you in? And what did you gain as a result of going there? Yeah, Radical Liveness it was uh, developed by Ann Bradney, and she was a teacher and a graduate of the Cornergetics Institute in New York City. Cornergetics is a, a somatic psychotherapy that evolved out of bioenergetics. Alex, Alexander Lowen's work was developed by this guy, John Paracas. And um, essentially, it uses different physical techniques like hitting, punching, kicking, breath work to help people release their feelings. I mean, on the simplest level, there's more to it than that, but that's the simplest level. And generally the way the work would work in groups, it's like one person would go at a time. And what Anne started to understand is that the group of people have an intelligence. There's an intelligence that gets created in the group. And she started to work with the group um, and ask them questions and bring them into the process and started doing psychodramas. And she liberated the entire group uh, so that it wasn't just one work person working at a time. It was everybody follow their instincts. Don't hold anything back. And now when you say that to a group of people, it, it's very unnerving. Like, don't hold anything back. I don't want you to hold anything back. That's the game we're going to play here. And you can interrupt the process. You can, if you have something to say, you can speak it out. You don't have to wait your turn. And you think, well, that's just going to take us into chaos and madness. <laughs> and it does. And, but it's in that chaos and madness where we really, really lose control. And it's when we lose control where transformation can happen. We have to lose control to transform. Yeah, surrender. And she, yeah, we have to surrender. And she understood that. And she had the courage to, uh, to let things go out of control and the courage to be able to stay in that unknown place and trust that if everybody brought themselves out, out and followed their instincts and didn't hold back, we would find coherence. And that coherence would be something that would be beyond any of our rational minds that would, again, mining the intelligence of the group energy. And so she called this radical aliveness. And I'm sure she would describe it in a different way. And maybe she wouldn't like exactly the way I describe it, but <laughs> that was my experience of it. But the permission to go into a room and know that you don't have to hold anything back at all, whatever it is, was just liberating. And to trust that whatever wanted to come through you in that moment, good or bad, right or wrong, right? Because sometimes the things that want to come through you aren't maybe not very nice. Um, to trust that in some way they're going to serve the process, they're going to serve the whole. And that's the container that she held and she held it impeccably. And Sometimes things would get messy. Sometimes things would get out of control. Sometimes things weren't always resolved perfectly. But that, to me, felt like a better approximation of life than having perfectly contained uh, manicured processes. And so I just really responded to that aspect of it. And she's, you know, she's a master. She's brilliant. And, and the ability to be able to uh, facilitate and hold and trust chaos that was what I was interested in because I felt like if I could do that, if I could master that, that skill set is just needed. It's desperately needed, you know, and that we have all these ideas about what it means to lose control and, and they can be negative and people do lose control and do horrible things. 
But if we can find a way to stay conscious in that, like we, we can create and transform and connect in ways that are just beyond anything the mind can imagine. So that, that, that was really what drew me to it. And, and, and as I said, it was just that permission, like where else can you go in life where you don't have to hold anything back? The only other place I felt like I could do that used to be an athlete, play hockey. I was like, okay, when I step into the hockey rink, it's like, and you know, I just let myself, my animal come out Yeah, and I can be aggressive and mean and happy. And, you know, I could just feel it all, but I didn't, there was no other place I could really do that at sometimes in acting. But the truth is, and maybe that's what I wanted out of acting kind of freedom to fully express myself. But the truth is when you're on a television show, you're working for Disney you're working for Warner Brothers, like you're a cog in a wheel, like you're not really making art. And that's not the intention. You're making a product. You're part of something that's, that's uh, you know, bigger than you in that sense. So this for me was, yeah, just a place where I could really, and I could feel all of myself. And that, that became the whole game. Like if I allow everything to come through me, you know, then I can examine it. I can look at it. And then, and then it gets reflected back to me by the group, right? Like there, it's going to have an impact. And so I'm going to be able to see myself in a much more uh, authentic way than if I'm just working alone or working in a contained way. And so the, there's, you know, it's not for everybody. I will say that not every, it, and, and it's, we don't let every, my workshops, I don't let everybody in it's because it's, you know, you have to be careful. It has to be a person that has enough grounding that they can tolerate that kind of uh, just those moments of instability and uncertainty, but that's an approximation of life, right? Like change is, is chaos and change is the unknown. So the more that we can learn to tolerate and stay in those places and trust those places, stay present in them and see that there's a thread here. And if we can follow that thread, we're going to come into coherence. There's, there's going to be um, information that's going to be revealed that's beyond the rational mind. If we can follow that, like something magic can happen. I love that. And, you know, I wrote a couple notes and the first one was, it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes, which is, if you laugh at the devil, he will run away, right? Like ultimately what I've found in my life is that the things I fear the most, when I actually face them, they're always binary language, acknowledged and accepted. They're always less scary than I imagined. Doesn't mean they're not scary at all, but they're way less scary than I imagined, you know? Yes. And, and, and that is so liberating, right? Because over time, what's happened with me is that even my logical brain started saying, well, you know, most of the time when you explore these things, not as scary as you think, right? So logically, it even makes sense, right? So it allows me to be able to follow my heart just a little bit more, right? And move into the uncomfortable things and move into the challenging things and all those things. Because I mean, just like, you know, for me, and, and you were saying the same thing, being athletes, right? You know, I understood at a certain point, like, yeah, when I first started exercising, I would fear the gym a little bit, right? But after a while, I don't care what I was doing. I was just so excited to get in there, right? Because I had the reps to just know like over and over and over it was going to be okay. And so then it was just applying that same principle to other areas of my life, right? To career, to business, to relationships, to anything like, okay, usually when I get challenged, right? In a, in a uh, fitness scenario anyway, I end up better on the other side, right? Even if I injure myself with something, I learn something in the process. And so why would that be any different, right? How you do anything is how you do everything 
right? So that's what I was able to tune into and be able to move myself through. And I'm at a point now where, yeah, like I still get scared over a lot of stuff, right? But I just have the awareness to go, okay, like the worst that happened, this is going to sound more, but the worst that happens is I die, right? And and what I firmly believe is that we are infinite in nature, right? So really, although I can't really comprehend that logically, even logically, I, I understand that, okay, I believe something happens after we pass on. So am I really dying or am I just shedding the horseshell crab, the horseshoe crab that is my body, right? And so a life lived with safety as the biggest value is a life not lived fully, at least for me, right? And we can see this in society right now with the values that, you know, like uh, the world is at large has with society, I mean, with safety being number one and what that does to the experience of life, right? Everyone's got to be safe all the time, right? And what that can do. And so it's very interesting. And, you know, that brings up also PC culture and how, you know, really we're, we're seeing a lot of, let's just call them interesting things happening with PC culture, right? And what I love about what you were saying is these workshops are a place to go exercise the opposite of that, right? Say whatever yes. you want and realize that you can hear it and you can say it and life doesn't end right? It continues going. And Mm -hmm. like you were saying, it does take a certain type of person to be able to experience that and not like have a breakdown of some sort. But also if we change our breakdown for breakthrough, then how bad is that breakdown, quote unquote, right? Right. And so, you know, uh, the other analogy that came to me was, you know, they tell race car drivers that when you're spinning out, don't look at the wall because that's where you're going to go, right? So when you're at these workshops and doing these types of exercises and people are doing them too, it's like, okay, yeah, you're spinning out, but where do you choose to look? Do you choose to look at this is the end of me or this is this is now me or this means this or, you know, attaching meanings or do you just go, yeah, I'm spinning out. Okay, I'm going to know that I'm going to end up straight <laughs> on the road at the end and just trust in that process. And, you know, to speak about trust for a second, why do you feel we're, I personally, I feel that we're in an epidemic of people not being able to trust themselves, right? Not being able to trust each other. These, this kind of like big, like 50, 50 split right now, where some people are rising in consciousness and, you know, coming to this, like this conclusion where, you know, everything is good and everything's happening for them. But at the same time, you see the other side where people are having a big challenge with trusting really anything in life. And I'm curious, you know, what do you think it takes to be able to trust something like internally? Uh, like, what do you think the, the, the components of trust are? And why do you think so many people have challenge with trusting themselves, trusting others, trusting life as a whole, trusting the process? Trauma. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I understand not trusting. I understand being afraid. I, I get it. I get that people are afraid. Uh, it's just the cost of it is so high. And that's mm. where I got, you know, when I realized how little trust I had in life, I just could feel how much it was costing me, how much I was protecting, how much I was trying to control, how, how I was trying to will things into, into being as opposed to allowing them into being. And so some part of my consciousness understood it. So just surrender, just keep surrendering, just keep surrendering. But there's another part of me that was just, you know, the lower self that was like, no, absolutely not. And that's what I see is happening right now. Like we change is happening and it's it's bigger than us whether it's just you know the planets the stars it's technology it's consciousness it's the political systems it's the monetary system everything is changing and so we're changing and so of course people are scared it's terrifying and uh there's those of us i think who intuitively have been preparing for this 
this moment because I asked myself, I wonder why I left Hollywood and, and got into all this work. Like, why was I pulled into that? Maybe there was some force at work that was saying, hey, get ready or, you know, you, you know, you need to evolve yourself. You need to heal your trauma and, and then help other people because this is this is what's happening. And the fact that you and I are having this conversation and so many people like Anad and others are are engaged in in the healing, these healing modalities and more and more people moving that direction is telling me that, you know, we're starting to understand something about who we are and how much we're impacted by our trauma, the things that happened to us and how these rep- repressed feelings cause us to stay stuck. They distort our perceptual filters and how we can liberate ourselves by feeling our anger, our frustration, and our fear. Fear is a very hard thing to feel. I don't want to feel my fear. Yeah. I don't want to feel my terror. <laughs> and a lot of it happens when we're very, very young. A lot of people like birth is terrifying. Coming into the world is terrifying. And if you have parents that are not, you don't feel safe, like they're not making eye contact and holding you, holding you. And, you know, if there's un- instability and uncertainty or your mother's not present, or your dad's not around, like you're going to experience terror in your body. And so you don't have a relationship with safety. You know what it's like to feel safe. You know, it's, you, you have no experience of that. So I'm very sympathetic to these people who are uh, scared right now and who are wanting lockdowns, you know, mm. and con- more control. But at the same time, like you, you can't let that trauma dictate the uh, rules of society. You know, like yeah. you just, you just can't, uh, that's how I feel about it. So I'm gently uh, pushing back, uh, in, in ways that feel appropriate without trying to demonize anybody, but you also, at some point you do have to take a stand and, and, you know, freedom is a value for me, but it's, it's more than just a, a personal value. It's, it's like a fundamental spiritual value. And, and, and so the trust for me, like, where did I find this place to trust? It's, you know, it's, it was in God. Mm. Like I finally realized if I'm going to surrender, I have to have something to surrender to. And I was somebody who was very dominated by my ego and, and was living in the material world and wanted material things. And it really wasn't until I, you know, got involved in this work started working with uh, plant medicine and then got involved uh, in the Lakota traditions, which I've been doing for the last five years, uh, sweat lodge and singing the songs and going to Sundance and vision quest. That's really where I found God. Mm. And once I allowed myself to really connect to God, you know, you know, I understand God is a loaded word for a lot of people. I I'm comfortable with it, but you know, people, universe, the universe, consciousness, source. <laughs> yeah. Source. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Source is a great one. Yeah. But for me, there's something about the word God that is, uh, it makes me want to obey. Mm. It makes me want to, uh, bring reverence. And so I like the word I've, I've, become comfortable with it. I wasn't always, but it's like once, once I, you know, got straight in my relationship with God and and essentially made a decision like to, to give my life to God, to follow God, to follow source, to follow spirit, to let that be my guide, not my ego, not my will. Then it gets very easy because it's not up to you. It's not up to you. Yeah, Yeah. You surrender. It's like my life doesn't really belong to me. And that sounds like counterintuitive in some way. And, and I understand also we needed through the evolution because for thousands and thousands of years, people were just trying to survive. 
Yeah. And so we <laughs> we got to this place recently where it's like, oh, we're not just surviving. We can actually do things and be creative. And oh, what do, for the first time, people ask the question like, what do I want? Yeah. What do I want? What do I want to do? And that's a, that was a, a necessary step in the evolution, like to really ask ourselves that. But there's something beyond that. Right. Once we are clear about what we want, what my, you know, what my ego wants and that we can give ourselves that that's good. But then there's something beyond that. Like what, what is calling me? What does my spirit want to do? And if I let go of this material world and I follow that, like, I know that there's something so amazing in store for me. I can't know what it is. Mm -hmm. I don't really have any control over it. I mean, I can set my compass and I can focus. I mean, I believe in manifestation, you know, it's like what we pay attention to, we're going to create, but there's also a mystery to it. And, uh, and there's something that's so um, beautiful and enlivening about surrendering to that mystery. And so that for me is, is how I've uh, come to orient myself and it's just given me a lot of peace. And so, you know, I'm not, trying to preach, you know, find God people, but it's kind of what it is, you know, yeah. these people. It's like, are you, when you're freaking out, when you're like scared, when you're like, I got to get the vaccine or which is fine. Yeah. You know, we got to lock it down. Like, where is God Yeah, for you? Like what, like, cause that feels like hell. Yes. To me, you're in and your terror is. and you're trying yeah. to control. Yes. And what would happen if you let go? And there's ways you can do that and still be reasonable and protective. I understand, you know? Yeah. I'm not saying don't be in reality of what's actually going on, but wh- what is your relationship with God, with spirit? Like what would happen if you surrender? What would happen if you let go? How would you feel? Yes. You know, and, and how are you feeling? Like you're orienting to life through fear, like and you're identifying with it. Like, how does that feel for you? You yeah. know, those are the questions. And if what would happen if you looked at it a different way? And I know that's scary. I know it's scary, but like I went through it and I, I just, all I can say is like, it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. It's you the only I, thing. Yeah. You know what I love about that is it's very similar to what I always tell myself when I'm continuing to go through, because there's levels to this, right? Like, you know, you might find like what, um, you know, might find something and follow our heart. And then we're like, okay, we got it. And then a day, a week, a month later, there's another level, you know, and it's, it's, it's similar to playing the same video game on different levels, easy, medium, hard expert. Right. And I always say to myself, the other side is always worth it. That much I remember, right? It's almost like a dream. You don't really remember the process of going through it, but you remember like, okay, I was fine on the other side, right? And it was worth it. And so that's become my mantra. The other side's always worth it. The other side's always worth it. And, you know, it was really funny too, when you were talking, because I've come to really enjoy the word God too. And one of my main mentors is Paul Check, and he's talked a lot about this. And it's like, listen, whatever you decide that thing is, right? That thing that's bigger than you, that's really all that I believe we're both talking about when we talk about the term God, right? Just something that we believe in that's higher and, and more expansive than us in our physical form. Right. And I, I believe that we are a part of that, right? We are all part of that. Everything. I mean, if we came from all the same thing, then how aren't we all that everything, right? It's like, it's a conundrum <laughs> you can get into. And, uh, and it's really funny though, because, you know, you were mentioning, you know, you're never going to really know what's on the other side. And it's like, yeah, and that's the fun of it. Imagine if you knew what was in your Christmas presents. How fun would that right. be, right? It's not knowing that's fun. And for anyone listening, if you opened up your own Christmas presents before Christmas morning, you know exactly what Dave and I are talking about. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's 
so much more fun. The mystery is the fun in life. And we understand that more as a child, right? Because, you know, Santa Claus is real, but we don't know where he is, right? It's the, it's the fun. It's the mystery of not knowing, right? That's really fun. And then what happens is, at least what happened to me, and I imagine what's happening to many people right now. And and I agree with you that, you know, I choose to come from a place of compassion, not that it's always easy to do so. My ego gets wrapped into things and it's like, oh, you know better. And I'm like, okay, okay, relax. Like, you know, I remember when I was at that point where I was very scared about things, right? And so rather than, you know, again, divide and conquer and be like, oh, it's us against them, realize, oh, we're all human beings and we can choose to help people like that by putting our authentic voice out. And maybe some people decide to listen to us. Maybe others don't. Cool. Whatever. We're not forcing their hand, but we're also doing our part to, you know, give different perspectives and different views that maybe can turn someone on, right? Maybe can allow them to have an expansion and awareness where they go, oh, interesting. I hadn't thought of that. And that's, that's really the only, the, the only thing I see is the quote unquote mission, right? That we do right now. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting what you were talking about when it comes to, you know, liberation or, or freedom being a core value of yours. Liberation is one of mine, which is very similar. And what I've noticed is it's in the surrendering that I'm able to liberate myself. And so these things, while they can seem scary, right? And and I totally get it. I mean, what's going on right now? If, if you decide to watch the news, yeah, it could be terrifying, right? And But realizing that the news is not like truth, quote unquote, like capital T truth. It's just really entertainment right at this point. And also noticing that what the ego does is, you know, we're, we're taught to believe in religion that heaven is a place we can go after we pass on and hell is the other place we go when we pass on. And we're kind of just existing right now, you know, and pretty much our whole life is just to fingers crossed, we make it to heaven and not hell, right? But what I choose to believe is like the Toltec tradition where, you know, the metote, aka the mind is really where heaven, purgatory and hell or whatever you call the three states. I mean, every religion has a different uh, sector of names for them, but it's where those names exist, right? And it is our invitation during this life to be able to find people, places, things, et cetera, that allow us to move from, you know, essentially purgatory to heaven, right? But when you see people really giving into the fear and compounding it by continuing to watch the news and continuing to listen to certain things and put things into their vision, I mean, tell a vision television, right? Like yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. You know, what will happen is it's it's continuing to program you and then the ego is going to run amok and it's going to keep you in hell, right? Like your own version of hell. And so, like the famous song said, heaven actually is a place on earth, you know? <laughs> and and I love bringing up that that song because, you know, it's it's funny how what I feel is there are so many I had this download on plant medicine about uh right in the beginning of the pandemic where there's there's things that we know, like the news that are fear based and, uh, you know, can be challenging for someone who's tr trying to be positive. And then I've been noticing certain shows popping up that almost do the other side. Right. Where at the end you feel really good. Right. You watch it and you feel really good. And I'm like, wow. I think there's like a silent war going on between the media and like certain producers and whatever. And I imagine you might have some insight into this, like actually being like, OK, not everyone is ready for us to come out and say God's real or whatever. Right. Which is like, woo woo. But maybe people let's meet them where they are. Right. They enjoy watching television. They enjoy a good story. And we know that every human yearns for love. Right. That's what they do. Right. Mm -hmm. Every human, no matter what they're doing, they think it's for the best and that they're getting love from it. 
And so why don't we make a show in which by the end, this person is feeling more love, right? And we start, you know, subliminally putting positive energy in. And then maybe then they're going to be like, I, I feel way better when I do that than I watch the news. And then they're starting to gain awareness and they're starting to gain this, this momentum. And so my question for you is, you know, for someone listening right now, who's like, wow, I really like what these guys are talking about. And, you know, maybe I don't have the money to go do an expensive therapy or go on a retreat or something like that. What are some of the things that you do either now or you began with that allowed you to move more into trust, finding God, any of these things, or just feeling more comfortable with being in your own skin? What are some of the things you've done in your daily life that have allowed you to get there, like meditation, breath work, et cetera? Well, as you said, you know, you have to turn off the news. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a very powerful pull, right? Like that's where it starts. Like you have to get out of the matrix of the news is a very, very strong pull. And you have to, you, you have to master your relationship with social media. You just have to, yeah. like, yeah. It's a, it, like you have to do whatever you have to do. I have a lockbox for my phone that I throw it in, you know, so I'm out on my phone all the time. I have like the freedom app on my computer. So I can't get social media. Cause uh, like a lot of people, it's just like, it's so addictive. It, I can't control myself around it. So I have to have mechanism in, mechanisms in place so that I can regulate my relationship with social media and with the news. That's like the first thing, you know, yeah. <laughs> because it's so like you, you have to, you really have to be humble to how powerful that force is. Yes. It's so, so strong. And so, you know, to have mechanisms in place and then, yeah. How do you fill yourself up? Well, yeah, I'm a meditator. I've been meditating for about 15 years. I do uh, Vedic meditation. I mean, I do all kinds of meditations, but I was trained in, uh, in Vedic meditation, which is similar to transcendental. You work with a mantra and, you know, two 20 minute meditations a day. I don't always do the second meditation, but I meditate as often as I can and uh, daily. And uh, yes, I do, uh, you know, the Wim Hof breathing regularly and uh, ice baths and big Big proponent of of that it just feels so you just feel so good when you get out it's you know it's hard it's never easy getting in i've been doing it for i don't know four or five years now and it's always hard to get in but that moment of uh this you know a couple minutes of suffering all you need is really two and a half three minutes of suffering um you know you feel replenished and uh you've you've, you've conquered something you've conquered some fear which I think is also an important thing to do is to take risks. You have to take risks in your life. Like it builds confidence when you take risks, when you do things that are out of your comfort zone. So it's one of the things that I do with my clients is just, you know, like take a risk this week. What's a risk that you can take, write it down and take it. What's the phone call you need to make? And then it gets easier and easier to take risks. And the more you do that, the more your life expands, the more confident you confidence you have. And, you know, obviously getting out in nature and exercising. I, you know, I say this also to my clients, it's like exercising is more important than the therapy that we're doing. Like if you're not eating well, and if you're not exercising, I'm not saying you have to be in the gym three hours a day, but at least go for a walk for an hour a day, yeah. you know, move your body and get, get the blood pumping. Uh, this therapy, it's going to be useless. There's, there's nothing that we can do. You understand yourself, but unless you have to get into your body, out of your head, into your body. So for me, fitness and nutrition is, is, is really crucial. Getting into nature also is very important because you can find God in nature and everybody can find God in nature. You, you know, nature is God. And so that's a way often for people who to connect spiritually is, is, is through nature. And then the primary thing I think is is living in community. You have to find a community of like-minded people. And there's so many people right now that are isolated and lonely. And I was, I suffered from extreme loneliness, even though I had a lot of friends and, and, you know, I had a lot going on. I woke up and realized like, man, there's some, some, 
angst that I'm feeling. And, and I, I would isolate and I had to, I realized I had to uh, be really careful about that. So I made a commitment about six, seven years ago to, to always be living in community, to, to have a community of like-minded people, you know, and, and in the old days, it used to be, you know, church on Sunday, that's where people found their community. Um, but there's new ways to find spiritual community. And a lot of people find it through plant medicine. For me, it's through the Lakota. I'm going to sweat lodge tonight. It's a group of people. We get together, you know, we go through a, it's sweat lodges are not uh, easy experiences um, always. <laughs> And they can be very challenging, but we're in it together. And, uh, you know, we sing and we pray and we come out and it's just, it's just a beautiful thing. And once I got to Austin and found my sweat lodge and, you know, I got accepted there, it was like, I just felt so much relief. It's like, okay, I got a group of people that I can connect with in a, in a, in a good way. And it doesn't have to be a sweat lodge. It doesn't even have to be a spiritual thing. It's like, like find a bowling league, but being in connection and community with other people, I think is the fundamental thing. I mean, there's a great book by Sebastian Unger called Tribe. And it's all about that, how we are like meant to be living in tribes and the way we're mm. living right now, you know, all in these neighborhoods and separate houses, you know, the nuclear family, it's just, it's not natural. Mm. And there's an angst and anxiety and frustration, depression that's building up around that. So that's what I would say to people, all of those things, you know, but yeah, community for me is, is the most important thing. And that's, that's really what I'm trying to do with my work. It's like more than anything, it's like, yes, there's the therapy, there's the workshops, there's a the transformation that, that happens, but more than anything, it's the community. That's the thing that's healing. That's the thing that people are longing for. And so that's the thing that I'm trying to give. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And, you know, that's been throughout my life, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have really good friends that I grew up with, and we all stayed really close. And then when I made my transition from the cannabis industry, which was a great community, I mean, you talk about, you know, a lot of great parties and a lot of, you know, people that were interested in the, uh, in things outside of the norm, which I've always been a big fan of. And uh, so I had really met a lot of people that made me feel more confident in being me. Like, yeah, it's okay to be considered weird. Like, I, why would I want to be considered normal? Like, no one else that I like is considered normal, right? So that was a big, like, aha moment for me. And then when I got into coaching and started to get into self-development, it was like another level deeper, right? Where I'm like, oh, now I'm working with like straight up mechanics of the human being that also love a lot of the same planets and stuff and things that I know from the cannabis industry. And we joke all the time. I, mean, I just got back from, I was actually hanging with a knot and uh, a bunch of my friends down in Virginia at my buddy Mark England's Lake House for, uh, he calls them the Enlifted Lake House Chronicles. You know, uh, he has a company called Enlifted. It's all about language training and uh, it's really interesting stuff stuff. And, you know, we all joke all the time, like, okay, when are we getting the commune, you know, and uh, it's, it, you know, it makes so much sense. And, you know, I feel as though there's a big shift going on right now with more people just being like, yeah, that actually sounds like a pretty good idea. Like, and I think, you know, there's, there's many ways we can look at 2020, but I choose to look at it as like, thank goodness that happened. Because number one, I got so much necessary time with myself, because I found myself being lonely a lot. And I just made a story about this today. Like when you're feeling lonely, when you're alone, it's a sign that you're in desperate need of yourself. And so it was almost like a rehashing of a love story with myself, as silly as that may sound. And I was able to connect back to things I love, making music, making art, you know, cannabis stuff. I mean, just so much stuff that I didn't have quote unquote time for before. And so that was really cool. And you know, you were mentioning the ice baths and uh, you'll have to come out sometime uh, midwinter. My my buddies and I, uh, well, they put on a men's workshop called Ice and Iron. 
and we do it all year. So it's fun in the summer, but it's really fun in like January when we we get together, we'll do Tai Chi, we'll do uh, some exercise, we'll do like 45 minutes of just go for it breath work, and then we'll hit ice baths outside just like going for it. And he lives right on the main road too. And so it's really fun to have cars honking at us. And, you know, it, especially being men too, it's like, yeah, ego, you know, and uh, that ego can come in handy sometimes, you know, and And, you know, I really feel like I've had this big download recently where really, if you can get yourself used to delayed gratification, you can really prepare yourself for how life works, how manifestation works, right? Because how I see manifestation working is, yeah, you make the end goal, right? And you have a general idea of like, okay, I want this, this to be accomplished by next year. And then what the challenge I find with myself and also with other people is that they try to control how they get there. Okay, I know best on how to get there, right? And it's okay to make a loose plan, right? Like to have some you know, action plan, but realize that there's going to be a point where something's going to happen where you have to quote unquote surrender to be brought in the way that the universe knows you're going to get there. And that's like a really interesting point because... Right now, everything that's happening in the world and these hot spots like Austin popping up, right? Where you just go there and you get off the plane and you're like, I feel lighter, you know? Like, and I like, you know, it's like for anyone listening, if you've ever been to New York City and then you've gone somewhere like Austin, it's like very different feeling, you know? And and I'm curious for you, Dave, like, what do you feel in your own opinion these hot spots are a sign of moving forward? Do you think that more people are getting on board with this, you know, uh, uh, rehashing of tribal societies or really just put it this way, rehashing of the importance of community as a value? Uh, what do you think is going on there with these hotspots? I, I, I don't know that I have an adequate explanation. It's probably not something we're going to fully understand uh, for <laughs> best 10 or 15, 20 years. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think people are, are society's changing. People are getting tired of the big cities, you know, like New York, Los Angeles. And I was in Los Angeles for 20 years. And I love LA. LA is an amazing city. And I had a great time there. But, you know, Austin's a smaller city. It's, it's getting bigger every day. But there's a lot of land here in Texas. And I, and I think, you know, the history of Texas is very, very interesting. If you read about it, it's a certain kind of person that uh, came out here to settle this <laughs> land and what they went through. And yeah. Uh, it was very, it's intense. So there's an orientation, uh, value system here, uh, that really is about freedom for better, for worse. It's not that the Texans don't have their, their shadow, just like every, every culture does, but there's something unique about, about Texas and, and Florida too. Uh, so I mean, and you know, places, I know people are moving to places like Idaho. I mean, the people are moving to the red States. I mean, that's what it is. And yeah. Yeah. And because I think, um, you know, the left has uh, they've just gotten a little, uh, they've lost themselves, I think, a little bit. And it's just the pendulum maybe had to swing and it swung too far one way. And now it's just self-correcting. Mm. Like it's really as simple as that. And it'll probably swing too far the other way at some point. I'll have to correct again. So this is the cycles we go through. I'm not, you know, I don't consider myself like one or the other. I just, I just follow where I want to go. And I think a lot of people are following the energy and there's something about Austin where there's an energy that we're, we're reinventing the world right here, right now. Mm. And there's a very powerful pull toward community. It is the center. It seems to me of the self-development movement. There's a lot of powerful people here and uh, there's a lot of excitement and, and just something about the, I don't know, being in Texas and the Texas countryside, there's something stark, there's something harsh about it. And there's something when, for me, when I look up at the sky, I feel uh, God in a different way than I felt it in California. I mean, obviously God is very present 
in the in Malibu and in the ocean <laughs> in California. I mean, California is like it cannot be beat. It's just it's it's probably the most beautiful place in the world all around. But there's something about the starkness of Texas for me right now that that is uh, uh, cleansing, and it's clarifying, and uh, it's getting to the root of things, and uh, it's uh, just you know it's like the windshield wipers, like getting things out of the way. Like let's remember what's important. Like what's important is God and family, and do your work uh, simply. Do it humbly. Uh, be dutiful. And I think those are values that uh, we all really relate to. And I certainly, I got lost in Hollywood. I mean, I was having a good time uh, with all that it had to offer and it was fun. And and I was glad that I got to do that, but I can see now um, where I was really disconnected from my spirit and from the higher self. And so there's something about coming to Texas right now with all that it represents and holds that's uh, it's realigning me with with that. I mean, it's not text itself, but it's like I'm doing it. But there's something about this place right now in time where the the space is there and like-minded people are coming together and and there's a real openness. I mean, everybody's just been open and friendly. So there's there's some creative force for whatever reason. Seems this seems to be the epicenter of it at this moment. Yeah. And what I love about your story is, you know, one of my favorite quotes is no tree's branches can reach heaven unless its roots have reached to hell, right? And what you were talking about with Hollywood, not that it's, you know, hell or anything, but it's the opposite ends of the pendulum, right? And so the I see the the reason that you're really appreciating this side is because you know what the other side feels like, right? right? It's not that necessarily one is better than the other. You've just used discernment to decide this is what I like for me. And I, I know that because I've experienced the other side, right? And that's why I feel it's so important to, like you said, take risks, go out there, try all the flavors of ice cream right? You'll never know if you don't try it. And, uh, and what I love about Texas too, is that keep it simple, stupid mentality, right? Like get back to a simpler way of living and enjoy one another. It's awesome, man. So Dave, this has been so much fun getting the riff with you getting to hear your journey, getting to go all throughout your journey. And I'm really excited to have people connect with you. So where can I have people go to find out more about you, to find out about your workshops and to connect with you? Yeah. Go to my website, David Sutcliffe dot com david sutcliffe.com and uh yeah i've got some offerings up there right now just announced a workshop uh here in texas in in november and uh i've got another thing called fortify your soul that's happening a six-week uh, uh course i guess and uh but yeah lots of ways to find me and uh but yeah come on come on out sign up and my workshops are great they're fun they're powerful uh, you're you're gonna feel a lot uh, probably not unlike uh, Anat's workshops. Um, but yeah, davidsuckliff.com is where you can find me. It's all there. Awesome, Dave. And the last question that I love to ask everyone is, if someone listening could only choose one thing to highly optimize their life, what would David Sutcliffe suggest that change be? I say this to all my clients. It's like, it, it, it sounds kind of simple, but um, walking. I am a big proponent of walking. If you are walking an hour or an hour and a half or two hours, even better, a day, your life is going to be just fine. Mm, Yes. Yeah. One of my mentors, Mark England, always says walking is integration, right? It's that simple. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. (laughs) Dave has such an amazing story. And when I spoke to him, it reminded me a lot of the human condition. What I mean by that is the ever evolving cycles of our lives and the challenges we go through when we realize that something that we loved for so long is no longer fulfilling us. In those moments, we have a choice. We can either keep doing what we have been doing in fear of having to quote unquote, start over, or 
we can choose to jump into what is calling us and remember that it is the journey of life that is truly the destination. If you enjoyed the conversation between David and I, then I would be so grateful if you could hop over to iTunes and leave a rating and review as it helps the show continue to grow, which we are all eternally grateful for. Dave, thank you so much for stopping by to share your incredible journey with us and for being such a beacon for what can happen when we choose to follow our heart, no matter where it leads us. And until next time, my friend, journey well, be well. Much love to you. Namaste. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders with a z on the end.com so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build out and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, .com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.